Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 243 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Welcome back to the show. So uh, as I believe I mentioned last week, this is going to be the last uh, interview episode of season 10 of the Mo Money Podcast. I will be releasing another episode, a solo episode with just myself, obviously, tomorrow. So today is the last uh, interview episode of season 10. And this, I think today, or maybe, yeah, no, today, I believe today (laughs) marks uh, officially my five-year anniversary of launching the podcast. So uh, a big thank you to uh, you if you've been listening that long, or even if you just discovered this, a big thank you for supporting uh, me making this show and trying to make uh, financial literacy information and insightful and inspiring interviews um, available to you wherever you live in the world. Now, I'm recording this intro for the show uh, Tuesday, June 2nd. Uh, that being said, I recorded this episode of the podcast uh, a month ago on May 5th. So uh, a lot of stuff has happened since we made this recording. Um, a lot of it ha- has happened this week. Um, and I am going to talk more about that in tomorrow's episode. I, I kind of wanted to do a special episode uh, to talk more about what's going on. Um, But this was such a good episode and I really uh, wanted to share it. There's some really helpful information in it. And so I wanted to release it um, and to make it kind of my last episode of the the season. So I hope you really enjoy it. Um, So uh, I have the wonderful Lauren Silbert from uh, The Balance. So The Balance is one of my favorite resources. I go there all the time. You, If you do any Googling about anything related to personal finance, most likely you've stumbled upon one of their amazing articles. So Lauren is the vice president uh, and general manager of The Balance, and we're talking all things money, coronavirus, uh, how to manage your money during these weird, uncertain times, just you know, talking about what the heck is going on right now and what can we do? What can we do to take control when we feel like we have no control? What can we do to create stability when we feel like there's no stability. So I know you're going to really enjoy this episode with Lauren. Uh, No podcast sponsor for this episode. So let's just get to the interview. Welcome to the Mo Money Podcast, Lauren. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Jessica. Yeah. So uh, let's start off with, uh, like, I've been a fan of The Balance for a number of years. I feel like Cause it's, so it's, tell me a little bit about it. So it started in 2015 and that sounds about right. I just feel like one day I was Googling and it popped up and I'm like, Oh, is this new? I mean, it was probably back in 2015 when it was new. I'm like, Oh, what is this? And, uh, ever since then, yeah, whenever I'm like searching for something, I always find the balance. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite kind of personal finance resources. So tell me a little bit about the balance and, and what do you do? Yeah. So the balance has been around for about, you know, four and a half years and has gone through some evolution since then. But we actually were a part of about.com before we turned into the balance. So we're now part of this company called dot dash, which uh, operates a bunch of different independent websites that focus on sort of everything that you'll need to do almost in your everyday life. So anything from personal finance, where you can read about it on the balance or our sister site, Investopedia. We also have sites on beauty, like Birdie, um, on tech, like LifeWire, health. We have a very well suite of sites that focuses on health, you know, mind, family. And uh, we also have, you know, food and lifestyle sites. So we really covered the gamut. Um, And this really was all born out of 
the old about.com universe, which I think everyone remembered if you were alive when the internet started. Oh yeah, I remember. (laughs) um, You know, about.com had existed over 20 years ago. And I think what had happened was, is, you know, we realized as a company, because I was, I was there when we were still about.com that the world was looking for specialized expert advice on things, right? So you may not want to get your advice on how to manage, let's say, your MS symptoms from the same place that you are reading about how to stain your deck. And I think what we took that as was like, okay, we want to be make sure that we're experts. We want to make sure our you know, readers know that we're doing all of this amazing work, which we already were. So everything that was written on about to come was written by these subject matter experts, but we wanted to make it really clear and create these unique environments for users to come to. And so that's where we started breaking apart about.com into everyone's unique universe. So uh, we broke out our health content, we broke out our personal finance content. um, And that's where the balance came into play is uh, taking all of that personal finance content that we had on about.com and bringing it to its new and unique environment that was really conducive to people learning about personal finance in a way that they understand. And it gave us an opportunity to like specialize how we wrote that content how we verified it, how we, you know, fact-checked everything, how we worked with writers to make sure it was unique for that specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's probably why it's a resource that I like to come back to because I always enjoy reading the articles. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of personal finance content out there, but it sometimes isn't super digestible. And for, there's, you know, kind of people like me who've been doing this for a while. And so I don't mind reading some of the kind of clunkier or more technical stuff. But for people that listen to my podcast, they're like, listen, I just want my information and I want to live my life and I want it to be understandable and I don't want to have to learn a new language at the same time. That's why I'm like, oh yeah, this is why, yeah, the balance was, I think keeps coming up whenever I'm searching for a resource to share to somebody because it's just just like you have the information and I I always do find yeah it's like okay I think this was fact-checked I think they actually know what they're talking about this isn't just like a a blog I'm curious though where's the name the balance come from you know it was really about I think it started at the idea of like creating a balance sheet for your life um and really and I think that'll probably dovetail into some of the things that we talk about today um but I think the idea is you know how do you create balance in all these different parts of your life Personal finance is such a huge part of, you know, your mental health and, you know, your personal success, being able to get a hold on that and create a good balance of, you know, what you're spending, what you're not spending. Um, You know, unfortunately, we always say like, you know, money can't buy you happiness, but it's such a huge part of you being successful and, you know, reducing your anxiety is that we want to make sure that everyone is able to create that balance in their life. And it really works well with, you know, the creating of your own personal balance sheet um, in the world. Yeah, that makes sense. And since you touched on mental health, I'm like, I feel like people are now really kind of getting that reminder, especially people who maybe uh, like didn't experience like younger people who have, didn't experience the last market crash and recession, or it's just been a while. It's been over a decade. So we have kind of a short term memory. And we're like, oh, yeah, that was a terrible time. I think people are starting to remember, oh, right, money and personal finance has a really big effect on my mood and my mental health and just like, you know, feeling hopeless, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think more people are, I mean, at least I've definitely found, um, I've been talking to so many more people being like, okay, I, I know now I need to take, you know, my finances seriously and I've been ignoring them for a while. And now I just can't, which is for me, great news. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was saying like, this is, I feel like the one really positive thing that's going to come out of this, uh, is one, 
like you said, everyone is faced with this immediate reality of like, oh, crap, what do I do? Uh, But I think that we also now have the time to actually learn and get smarter. And I think the fact that, you know, people's financial situations changing is forcing people to interact with a lot of their lenders in a different way. And the government and understanding how these systems work is making everyone so much smarter. People who would have never thought they would have had to understand how to submit you know, PPP loan applications, um, didn't understand how things like the stimulus checks affect their taxes or, you know, what to do down the line in anything. Uh, Everyone's getting the time and they're sort of forced to learn all this information. So I feel like within a couple of years, we're going to get some really smart consumers on our hands, hopefully. Um, And I think it's really, you know, it's really good because we have the capacity to learn about it right now. And you're sort of forced to do it where a lot of people just never would do it otherwise. And we're seeing a lot of that too, like people coming to the site looking for this information that they've never looked for before. And hopefully that's going to make them pretty smart. Yeah. And more people just talking openly about money, which is also nice to see. And sometimes it is just like, hey, I got my stimulus check. What do I do now? Um, It's nice to see at least these conversations are happening because they weren't, no one was talking it. Like it's, it's still such a weird taboo subject. And I mean, I know I'm in a little bit of a bubble, so everyone's always talking about money, but you know, when I go out and hang out with friends, not in my, you know, personal finance bubble, no one's talking about money. So it's nice to see that at least people are kind of starting these conversations and it'll make them think about other things. So I want to start off with, because I have been seeing online, you know, uh, and like on TikTok, because that's where I spend my days <laughs> just because I need a little upper and it's silly. I, I And I am that like 30 year old who's way too old for TikTok. It wasn't the app we, you know, needed. It was the one we deserved. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like I had, it, I was that like typical millennial. Like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. And then I downloaded, I'm like, why am I obsessed? I don't know. Um, but there's some funny, um, you know, people sharing, uh, oh, I got my stimulus check and then making jokes about, oh, I just like spent it on wine, but let's get real. <laughs> Number one. So, um, it's a one-time payment and there's lots of great resources on the balance that kind of share more information about it. And I'm sure people already kind of know this information, but it's one-time payment. It's not, you don't have to pay tax on it. But I think when you kind of give people, here's some free, you know, quote unquote money, people don't necessarily know what the best thing to do with it is. So in your view, what are some things that you should and should not do with this money? Yeah, I think one, I think everyone's saying they're spending it on wine and stuff. This I'm hoping for all of our sakes, that this is just sort of the levity of humor that we need in this situation. Um, I would say, and I'm, I'm assuming most people are really being smarter about it and, you know, saying, okay, what can I use this first for? And really it's going way back to the fundamentals of what that your budget creation is. And it's just saying like, what are the essential things that I have to pay off first? Right. Um, you know, thinking about things like rent or your mortgage, um, you know, food, utilities, your internet access. These are the things that you want to make sure you can keep. You know, we are so lucky that we have all access to a lot of these things right now that, you know, people in situations before who, you know, for going back to 1918 quarantine times, like didn't have access to any of this stuff. The things that you don't want to live without, you want to make sure you're putting your stimulus check towards that first. Um, there are many different options of, you know, how flexible are those payments? So things that we would have recommended earlier are, let's say, paying your credit card bills on time because they have super high interest rates. 
now you may be able to get some sort of a deferment or forbearance from your credit card companies or some sort of easing on what those interest rates are. So things that I recommend, especially, you know, especially if like mortgage is also giving you that sort of forbearance, rent is really important, paying some your utilities, keeping money for groceries and food and, and that internet and cable access, I think is really important also. Yeah. So it sounds kind of like first find out what your, you know, all your kind of essential things are, your ex- uh, essential bills, and then find out, is there any kind of relief for any of those? Because I know lots of credit card companies are, you know, oh, well, you know, give you some time, lower your payments or lower your interest rate or something like that. Find out where there's some relief and then kind of put that money towards the things that, okay, I need to pay this and maybe there isn't as much relief. Because yeah, I, I agree. I used to be to, oh, always put your money on the highest interest, uh, you know, debt first. Now I'm just like, you know what? You need to feed yourself and you need a roof over your head. So maybe make those the priority right now because we're still kind of in survival mode. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I think it's, yeah, it's really about saying it's starting your budget process all over again. And saying, yeah, what are those fixed expenses that you really can't live without that won't change over time, determining if any of them have changed and then making your your calls from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I've been getting a lot of questions too from people. So it seems like there's kind of a variety of different people in different situations. There's, you know, definitely the people who um, have maybe lost their jobs or they have limited income uh, right now because of the pandemic. And then there's the people that are still working kind of in, in essential services or, you know, they can work from home. And it's interesting because it's there, you know, there's the people that are like in survival mode. It's like, all right, this is, we just got to kind of figure it out. And then there's the people that are like kind of a bit confused because like, well, I'm not in that boat. I'm still earning money. I want to be, but I want to be smart with it. Cause what if I do lose my job, if something happens? Um, and I've been getting a lot of questions about like, where should my priorities lie? If I am still earning an income and I may or may not lose my job, what would you kind of say to those people? Yeah. I, you know, first of all, you're lucky. So, you know, I count myself among the lucky people, um, that are in that situation. And so, what you want to think about is how do I prevent myself from becoming on the other side of that line? Um, And I think the best thing to do is, you know, continue to make your essential payments like you have been, right? You don't want to start skimping out. I think if you can afford to take on the payments of things like mortgages and stuff that you could potentially get forbearance on, but you can also pay right now, you might as well pay them right now. So you don't have a potentially large lump sum of money that you have to pay at another time. Um, So I think if you can keep your expenses normalized, that's a really good place to start. But then it's also saying, let me make sure I get that emergency fund together in case something like this ends up happening to me down the line. How far ahead of that can I get? Can I save three to six months worth of expenses so that, you know, if all of a sudden I don't have income in, two months, I'm able to protect myself for like the rest of the year, let's say. Um, So always starting that emergency fund and making sure that it can protect you with if anything bad happens, you should definitely do that first. And, And it's the same process, I think, as really someone whose financial situation has changed, going back to your budget, getting real about what those costs are, so you know exactly what you have to save. And I mean, I think we're all kind of spending a little bit less since we're not out in the world and spending on random frivolous things here and there, right? So much of your spending can just add up over time. Uber here, you know, going out for a drink here, that stuff's not happening. So I think you're much more in control of actually what you're spending now. So if you can get real about what you have to spend, save that in an emergency fund, it's definitely going to help you in sort of going back to this mental health exercise of saying, okay, am I going to be okay if my situation changes in a couple of months and just protecting yourself in that case? 
Absolutely. I've been seeing a lot of, like, I completely agree. And it's interesting. I've, I've been seeing, um, there's a lot of uh, people I know or, you know, people in the, the finance space that said, wow, you know, I used to give the advice, have at least $1,000 in an emergency fund. Now they're like, oh, okay, have way more than that. That is certainly not enough. And so lots of people are actually even changing their kind of point of views on how much should you save? And that's like one of the biggest questions I always get. It's like, how much should you save in your emergency fund? And like you said, I think it's so important to have a budget, really def- like figure out where it, like what are your expenses? What is your cost of living? And then only you can determine what makes you feel comfortable and your different situation. If you're self-employed, you should have more money saved up than someone who is employed because you kind of are more at risk for losing work potentially in this situation. Yeah. And it's a, it's really about saying like, what is going to make me feel comfortable, right? A thousand dollars is such an arbitrary amount of money. You have no idea if that's actually going to make you feel comfortable about your spending, right? You want to understand what are the things you can live without, you can't live without, and save based on that stuff. That might be really different, especially depending on where you live um, compared to someone else. So making sure you're the one in charge of how much that money is uh, instead of just taking someone's arbitrary advice is very important. Mm-hmm. And the other kind of thing I've been hearing too is a lot of people who maybe have never had an emergency fund. They're like, well, I've heard advice that, you know, it's, it's silly to keep that much in cash when I can really just maybe tap into some like low interest debt, like a line of credit. What would you say to people that? And cause I, I've, I, for years seen advice of like, oh, and just have a line of credit as your emergency fund for me. I'm like debt averse. I'm like, that is, that sounds like a bad idea. What would you say to people that think, oh no, I've got a line of credit that has low interest. So I'm good. Yeah, I always like to have some cash on hand. There's really nothing like being liquid if you need to be. Um, not having, you don't know what this, your situation is going to change to be. So even having a low interest loan or a credit card that you're going to use, you just don't know, you know, when are you eventually going to have to pay that back? How much is that interest, interest going to accrue? It's like you don't really, you can't see into the future. If you're able to protect yourself with liquid funds for a certain amount of time, you're going to feel like totally in control and you won't have to owe that back at another time. Um, And I think, you know, obviously everyone's situations are different. Some people do that for, you know, low cost of capital reasons, but that's usually if they have a lot of money available to them and they know they'll have a lot of money available to them later on. But I'd say if having access to cash is important to you, having the actual cash is is never going to, it's going to be hard to substitute for that. Yeah. And as someone who's like been through, I feel like lots of emergencies throughout my lifetime and I've always had an emergency fund, it's, it's honestly been a lifesaver. Like I'm so, it's like, I think maybe the people that kind of feel that way, they've never gone through an emergency yet. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the whole world will feel very different about creating an emergency fund right now. Exactly. Because um, it's, it's just, you don't ever think it's going to happen to you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in a really stable job and this is never going to happen. And then boom, the entire economy shuts down. It's no one is immune to these types of things, right? It's like, you never know what it is. No one would have assumed, even if you went through the 2008 crash, you know, you still were able to go out to restaurants and have dinner. Maybe you wouldn't have you know, eaten as much or gotten that really expensive bottle of wine, but you were still able to go out. You were still able to travel. You know, the world is completely different now. The, the issues that we're facing now are so different. There's no way to predict it. So it's just about saying, I just want to protect myself in case anything possibly happens. Like you said, especially during times where you're just totally out of control of so many things, being in control of an emergency fund really relaxes your brain. <laughs> it helps you say like, that's okay. I'm in control. 
I have the money to protect myself. I'm not, my life isn't going to be ruined if something like this happens. I think people really underestimate how, like what that security feels like. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like in these times of, of uncertainty, we need something that is certain. And and sometimes like having an emergency, like for me, I'm like, I feel so good knowing that I have that. And I'm glad that I did take the time to, to save it up. Um, but obviously there's now people who are in a situation where like, well, I don't have that. <laughs> and now I'm in this situation. Um, I, and I think there's a lot of people that are kind of frustrated because they're like, shoot, well, thanks for the advice, but I can't go back in time and save an, an emergency fund. Is it really just like, okay, so you just have to look at your kind of relief options and cut back and just kind of weather through this storm? Yeah, I think that's really what it is now. I mean, you have to say, let's get in contact with all my credit card issuers. Let me get in contact with my loans and banks and mortgages and figure out what are my options, right? Never take things at face value. Never just look on their website to see what their options are that they have available. Almost every time you have a personal interaction with someone that's a part of customer service from one of your banks or lenders, you can get so much more accomplished than just, you know, applying for whatever is out there in the world. There's always an opportunity to lower interest rates. You know, they want to keep you as a customer. They don't want you to default on loans. You know, they want to work with you. So if you're able to explain to them what's going on, even if it's like, I know a lot of people have gotten this forbearance on mortgages, let's say, but they were able to defer payment for three months. Now everyone's sort of going to come up to their three months very soon from when this began and it's saying, okay, now, am I going to have to pay these three months of my mortgage like right now? Good opportunity. Call your bank or call your lender and say, can I you know, move the deferment to the end of my mortgage term? How can I work with this lender to make sure that I'm still in good standing? It doesn't affect my credit. Um, and you know, the, the lender is still going to get what they need out of the deal as well. Everyone's in this weird situation. All of your banks and lenders are trying to cope too. So just make sure you get in contact with people and talk them through your personal situation and figure out what they can do for you. Mm -hmm. That is kind of like the one silver lining because everyone's going through this, the banks and, you know, lenders are more flexible. Whereas I feel like if you were just, you know, you know, a year ago wanting to be like, Oh, can I get you to defer my mortgage? They'd probably be like, hell no, get out of here. So at least there's something (laughs) that's like one little good thing. (laughs) And I'd say, honestly, what we were talking about before and now it's like, they're much more willing to work with you if you're especially an existing customer of their institution, right? They want, they don't want to have you default. Like I said, they want things to work out. It's not good for them when you do that either. So the idea is like how they're really focused on helping their existing customers through this time. Um, you know, and for the people that we were saying before that are like, Oh, maybe I can just get like a low interest loan or use a credit card or something like that. It's not as easy to get access to a lot of that capital right now because everyone is in this situation where they're like, okay, we need to plan for the worst. So they're not as into potentially lending out new money to people that they've never worked with before, especially if they have no credit history with them or anything like that. So especially if you can tap into your existing relationships, that's where you're definitely going to get the most wiggle room if you're in a 
precarious situation. Yeah. So now there's also this kind of group of people who um, are, they're actually doing okay financially, but now they're kind of faced with this, um, you know, I guess, should I start investing or what should I start investing? I've been getting a ton of questions like that, even still now. And I think people are, are so confused about what's going on with the stock market, myself included, because no one knows what's going on with the stock market. Um, what would you say? Because I know I, I've been getting a lot of questions being like, should I invest in stocks or should I continue my regular contributions or, or, or anything like that? Is this a good time to start investing? Yeah, I think, you know, it's all depending on your personal situation, right? I, let's say, we I don't want to tell anybody to invest especially in a situation where we have no idea what's going to happen to the stock market. But if you are able to do it, it's still a good opportunity. I think still making your, you know, your contributions, especially to your retirement accounts and everything is important to continue to do, especially if you're at an age where you have a long future ahead of you to do that. Right. Because the whole point of the stock market is you're not supposed to be making rash decisions where you're going to make movements in within short periods of time. Right. You should be weathering this storm. This may seem like it's an incredibly difficult storm to deal with, and you have no idea what's going to happen, and it's really scary because things went down. But the stock market has already gone up around 20-something percent from the lowest it was in March, right? So, and you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to stay here. There's no guarantee that it's not going to go way up. So I'd say if you're continuing to make contributions to things like your retirement accounts, I think you should definitely continue to do that. Uh, you want to make sure as always, you know, I don't think the rules of the road of investing have really changed very much. You want to have a diversified portfolio. You want to invest in things like ETFs and, you know, bigger products that are you know, able to diversify what you're doing, not picking single stocks and investing in them because you just have no idea what's going to happen in one specific sector, one specific company, things can be so volatile that making sure you're diversified enough is really important to protect what you are doing. I mean, I think it's a good opportunity to potentially take advantage of low cost options. Um, But, you know, I'd say following the same rules as you would have prior to this is certainly what you should still go with. Um, and I think if you're you know, closer to retirement, you want to figure out options to protect the things that you have. Um, but hopefully some of the MoMA <laughs> listeners have, aren't, aren't that close to retirement quite yet. Um, no, but they're parents. And I think that's a, a new conversation that a lot of, you know, younger people are having with their parents. And it's honestly very reminiscent of, you know, 2008, 2009, when I was, my parents weren't close to retirement, but, you know, they had friends that were, and I remember hearing, and it's still stuck in my mind, like, oh, so-and-so lost all their retirement, you know, investments. And at that time, I had no financial literacy, right? Uh, so I, I honestly thought, oh my gosh, they lost all of their money. But actually what happened was, they the value of their investments, you know, went to, you know, decreased and they cashed out and that's how you lose money. And that hasn't changed. Like this is the same rules back then. So I feel like everyone should look at what happened back then. <laughs> it's a good little reference point. Yeah. I mean, as we always say, the way that you're definitely going to lose money is when you take money out of the market at the lowest, right? Yeah, You're not going to see any success. If you can afford to hold on and wait as long as possible to start taking any money out of your accounts, uh, you should. 
because you just, you really never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you're still going to have to pay taxes on that money. You definitely don't want to do that now, especially if you are still employed. So you want to make sure you're assessing all of your options and really just following the same rules of the road. You know, the stock market is meant to have ups and downs. It's what it's done since its inception. So even though this seems so traumatic right now, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and I'm sure something like this will happen in the future. <laughs> it will. And I think, I think it's just like, this has just been such a reminder for so many people like this. Yeah. The stock market doesn't always go up, but because it's been going up for so long, we kind of forgot that it can go down and down for a number of different reasons. So I think this is a, a good, uh, a, a good experience, not a good experience. That sounds terrible, but a good learning lesson for a lot of people, especially younger investors who ha- didn't haven't uh, experienced anything quite like this. Um, but I think they're also uh, realizing and that, you know, people have been talking about this for a while. I'm sure there's so many articles on the balance about this, about how emotional investing is. <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about what are some things people should prepare themselves for? You just said it, like the stock market is going to go down. It's meant to have these sort of corrections and uh, adjustments over time. And especially if you are young, the whole point is you have a really great runway to wait it out and see what ends up happening. You know, you're really not supposed to be touching things. Your investments in the stock market should allow you to have them invested for 10 years, let's say five to 10 years. You shouldn't be using that for liquid cash that you potentially need to buy something with, right? You should be able to weather whatever that storm is, which is what we've seen in the past is like time periods that it takes for things to rebound or adjust, you know? So knowing that things will change, I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't really been taking a close look at everything I have in the market right now because I'm like, I look, I'm just going to be freaked out by what's happening right now. And the idea is like, there's no point because listen, I can, I'm planning to keep my money there for however, 10 more years and whatever's happening today is not going to be the same thing as when I actually need to withdraw those funds down the line. So, and I think doing things like we said is, protecting yourself with things like ETFs and mutual funds or, you know, things that are allowing you to have exposure to more than just one specific stock allows you to feel a little bit more protected, knowing that there may be volatility across industries and um, sectors that, you know, can change, but you'll generally be as protected as you possibly could be. Absolutely. And yeah, I've, I've, I have been having a lot of conversations with people about, um, yeah, just some of these like core principles and also just like giving reference like remember when everyone was talking about well maybe not as much in the states but in canada everyone was talking about cannabis stocks like you know uh a year or two ago and everyone's like this is how we're gonna get rich the whole world is changing this is it you know how many people i know have lost thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars it's because it was speculative and people were buying individual stocks or even in like you know uh cannabis etfs and you know i'm like yeah that we all knew this nothing changed but i think sometimes people need to experience those losses to really have that learning lesson and the same thing yeah for buying individual stocks like i dabble in that a tiny bit just a tiny bit of my portfolio and it's so emotional and stressful i actually don't enjoy it Yeah, I mean, that's when you're really getting into sort of like gambling territory, I think, you know, if you're thinking, you know, sometimes it's fun, right, especially if you are like personally interested in a specific company or industry, I think that's good. But I think the idea is like keeping yourself almost on a budget for how you're investing is really important. So I think part of that is really good in terms of 
you getting really familiar with how the market works, what are the dynamics, how do you purchase, how do you sell, you know, what are all the tax implications? Doing that is actually really helpful for getting yourself sort of invested and excited about the market. Um, So I think there is like a good portion of what you can do, you know, associated with that. But the idea is that if you're looking at this as a way to grow your wealth over time, you know, doing the safe and diversified things are always going to be the better strategy for you um, down the line. Yeah. If that's what the experts have been saying for decades, maybe we should probably listen. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so sad, but like nothing has changed. There's nothing new. (laughs) Nothing has changed. And I think that's actually an important, honestly, important thing for people to hear because people are saying, oh, everything's going to change. The world's going to be so different after this. I'm like, is it though? Like, we don't know. Like, it'll probably change in some ways, but I don't know. People just, you know, saying, oh, well, the handshake is gone forever. I'm like, forever? It's been around for so long, though. I don't know if the handshake's going to be gone forever. I think it's too early to say what on earth is going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's always important to invest in the stock market, invest in things like money market accounts and high yield savings accounts and CDs. And, you know, that way you are protected across a bunch of different, you know, assets. And, you know, you're able to experience the stock market and understand how it works, but do it in a way that's safe for you. Absolutely. And take this time if you don't know some of the terms that we've been saying or don't know if your portfolio is diversified, we'll take a look at what you are personally invested in. I know so I've been having so many conversations with people be like, I think I'm in mutual funds. I don't know. The guy at the bank just got me in this portfolio. I have no idea what it's in. So this is a good time to take a look at what is going on. What are you investing in? And then if you don't understand something, this is the time to start researching and uh, educating yourself. I know you mentioned earlier that you're the, the company that owns the balance also um, is like part of the Investopedia, which is another resource that I go to all the time. Great resource um, and great information there. So a great place to start your journey. <laughs> yes, definitely take a take some time to learn all of these words and what you're doing and um, get familiar with what your retirement accounts are invested in and, and uh, see how much you can get smarter about what what's going on in the world. Absolutely. So uh, before I let you go, what else do you want to make sure? I'm sure you, you've been also like getting so much information, like data and just questions from people. What are some key things you want people to know in this weird situation that we're currently in about just general personal finance management? What some smart things that we should all be thinking about and doing? Yeah, I think, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning is creating that personal balance sheet for yourself and a budget is your first step. I think The other really important thing for everyone to think about and sort of what we've been seeing is that there's so many best practices out there and the balances are in about all the processes for what to do with your stimulus checks, your taxes, investing, loans, um, mortgages, what's happening there, small business loans. The the hard part is, is that we're in such an uncertain world right now and so many things are not working as planned and, you know, best practices may not stand up to the test right now. But it's really important to be, you know, to persevere through everything. Don't stop calling. Don't stop checking on your applications. Contact as many people as you possibly can. Try to take as much control as possible. Being passive in this environment is not going to work for you. You want to make sure you are, you know, taking an active role in what's going on with your finances so that you can sort of regain some of that control that you may have lost doing, you know, due to all the things that are changing. So, keep calling your banks, you know, keep checking your applications, following up, 
and making sure that you are not just sort of letting things happen to you. You know, you're happening to other things. Mm-hmm. Which is just great advice in any situation. Don't let your money take it. I've been having so many conversations like this too. It's like you feel, you know, maybe anxious or a certain way because right maybe up until this point, money has been making the decisions for you, but you should be making decisions about your money. You're the one in control. Even though we're in this world world where we don't feel like a lot is in our control, there's still some things we can control. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Where can people find, if people want to maybe follow you on social media, where can they do that? And um, I guess they can go to thebalance.com for you know all of this uh, great resources. I'll share some links that you shared with me that are, are very topical uh, in the show notes, but where can people maybe want to follow you if they want to see what you're up to? Yeah. So if you... If you want, you know, you can go to thebalance.com. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at The Balance. Um, so you can find us all over the place there and on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, Lauren Silbert. Uh, so you're able to find us anywhere and uh, reach out with any questions that you might have. I think we're really open to hearing a lot of the things that consumers are experiencing and, and trying to answer them pretty easily on our site. I think that's one of the things that The Balance cares about the most is saying, like, let me answer these things for people in English that have never actually had to deal with this stuff before. So if you have a question, send us a note and ask us, and we are really willing to um, and excited to actually help answer them in an easy to understand way. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thanks again for joining me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much, Jessica. I'll talk to you later. Have a good day and be safe out there. And that was episode 243 of the Mo Money Podcast with Lauren Silbert, uh, VP and General Manager of The Balance. Make sure to check out thebalance.com to learn uh, everything you could possibly think of about personal finance. Honestly, whenever I Google something kind of obscure about personal finance, usually their articles pop up. So uh, it's a really, really great resource. So make sure to check them out, thebalance.com. Make sure to also check out the show notes for this episode on my website, jessicamorehouse.com slash 243. I'm going to include a recap of what we went through, some resources that we talked about, some of my favorite articles uh, from The Balance. So make sure to check that out, jessicamorehouse.com dot com slash 243. And of course, you want to check out the show notes for any episode you've ever listened to. It's just jessicamorehouse.com slash whatever the number of that episode is. Now, as I mentioned, I will be dropping another episode tomorrow. That will be my final one. And when I say final, that doesn't actually mean anything, does it? Because I'm not actually going anywhere. I'm still stuck in my house. And I'll probably... uh probably want to make some more episodes. I basically just needed, quite honestly, I needed a, I need a break because uh, I've made a lot of episodes this season and I need a break. Um, but uh, so even though I'm going on, you know, quote unquote, summer hiatus, I'll probably pop in here once in a while, maybe once a month or every couple of weeks. I don't know. It really depends uh, and drop another episode, um, either an interview or another solo episode or another money minute episode. Uh, we'll see. It really just see, uh, depends. But basically I just needed a a little bit of a break so I can focus my energy and time on some other projects that I've been really wanting to do and some new things that I, I want to kind of try out. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago now, I had a book club and uh, it was a format that worked and sometimes didn't. It, it was great, but it was just hard to organize. Uh, it was kind of a webinar. I always had to have the author and then we kind of had a live book club with the author, which is really great. But I, I'm thinking of maybe expanding this and, and maybe just having uh, you know a book club where we all get together you know, on Zoom, we read a specific book and then we have a chat about it and I have a bunch of questions, like a regular book club. That's something I'm thinking about. I will let you know if that's actually happening uh, to stay in the loop because again, I won't always be on the podcast. Make sure to 
either get into my Facebook group or to most especially get onto my email list. I honestly only email you probably every two weeks at this point, so I'm not going to even bug you that much. And you can do that by going to jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe. Uh, Speaking of my uh, email list. Uh, I recently uh, kind of did a little update to my free resource library on my website. So made a few updates to some of the documents. I'm going to be including some new uh, documents. I think I just put in a new, like a new brand new resource and I have not even told anybody about this. I can't believe I did that. Now, what is it is the question as I look. Oh yeah. I just dropped a debt payoff cheat sheet because I got a lot of questions about, Hey, uh, I want to pay off debt. I don't know where to start. I made a little cheat sheet um, on my website, but if you're curious, what the heck is in my free resource library? And again, it's free. I have a net worth cheat sheet, a credit best practices guide, a tax prep checklist, a moving out checklist, a mortgage prep checklist. I've got my free budget spreadsheet with video tutorial. Um, I've got a few past webinars. One is how to file your taxes the right way when you're self-employed or have a side hustle or how to become a side hustler. And, uh, uh, okay, that's it at the minute, but that's still quite a bit if you, you know, that's quite a bit. It took me a while to put all that together. I'm going to be um, putting some new ones. Uh, I'm, I, I, As I mentioned last week, I'm, I'm working on some new spreadsheets and that will drop soon. It is, you know, it was a bit of a crazy week, so uh, kind of didn't have the focus to finish up that project. So that is on its way. Same with my DIY Passive Investing for Canadians online course. That is coming. And I know I've been saying that for like one to possibly two years, but it is coming. But in terms of uh, courses, I still have my six-week Fix Your Finances Masterclass that you can register to now uh, and also my Investing Foundations for Canadians course. So um, if you have any questions about those, you can just hit me up on social media or email me. Um, but there were some really great courses and I've gotten some really great feedback from it. So uh, definitely, you know, that might be a good idea to check those out. And also, since I was not able to do a millennial money meetup in the spring, and I don't know if I'll be able to quite honestly do one in the fall. At this point, I'm just like canceling 2020. Nothing's happening uh, in person, that is. Um, but I, I hope uh, to do one or two webinars, maybe more. I don't know. We'll see what happens um, throughout the summer um, just so we can get together and I'll, you know, do, I'll figure out what kind of topics people want to hear about. But I'm definitely going to do some webinar. I'm going to be more active and, uh, and, you know, do some kind of community building things. I think that'd be, I mean, I need that, you know, again, I'm lonely over here just hanging out by myself at home. So, uh, I think doing something like that would be kind of uh, cool and pretty fun. Um, do I have any, thing else. Oh yeah. The last thing too, just to let you know, I am still, uh, taking new financial counseling clients. So, um, if you want to learn more about that, go to jessicaburros.com slash discovery call, or go to the financial counseling page on my website to learn more, book a discovery call with me. We'll chat, see, uh, how I can help you with your situation. Um, that'd be really cool. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I'm going to be back here tomorrow with a special episode, uh, to really kind of address what's going on in the world right now and where I stand and, and how it kind of relates to money and how what's going on. And uh, I hope, uh, yeah, I haven't recorded it yet. I'm making a bunch of notes. So I uh, hope it's uh, going to be a good one. So you can look out for that one tomorrow. But uh, just again, thanks so much for um, supporting my podcast and listening and sending me your Instagram DMs or your emails or your tweets uh, or your like LinkedIn. I'm getting some like LinkedIn like messages, which is really nice saying that you really enjoy the podcast. That means so, so much to me, especially 
uh, right now where I don't know. I can't because I don't talk to anybody else. So it really it means a lot um, that uh, I am hopefully helping you know people because that's that is literally why I'm doing this. I just want to try to make the world a better place if I can. So I really appreciate that. Anyways, that is it. I'm a rambler, as uh, you may know if you listen to the podcast. So I'm going to let you go. Thanks for listening. See you back here tomorrow. Have a good and safe day. See you back here tomorrow. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.